When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm guessing he hit the new Glarus pretty hard last night. Oh, one of those things. You know, he. Uh, how much money did he say he spent on Spotted Cow Beer on Friday? Or on Monday? Wrong. 60 bucks? 60 dollars. 60 or 70? It was ridiculous. He basically went to a liquor store in Hudson and said, just fill up the trunk and take my credit card. Well, he is a professional. <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, thank you, Kenny. Uh, John Krasinski from The Athletic will join later on this hour. He'll hang out for a few hours, and I'm sure we'll get into a lot of NBA Wolves-related things. Chris Singleton at 10 o'clock, game show Friday, unprecedented on the Mackie and Judd show. We're going to start out and go right to ding, ding. the British Open update desk, Dave Harrigan, where Tiger Woods is uh, ripping our hearts out of our chests. Me and Max, are we've been sweating this for like two hours. It's, it, there really shouldn't be golf on in the morning when we're trying to prep for a radio show. I've, I've gotten no work done this morning no, so far. No, you guys have been screaming. Living and There's dying. There's been agony. There's <laughs> been euphoria. We may have hugged after his par a couple holes ago. Tiger Woods is on 17 now, correct? After a bogey at 16? That is correct, yes. Sorry, I need to get back into character. This is the British Open update desk, after all. <clears throat> I think you should slowly morph two-year accent by the end of this update. Um, no, we're going to jump right into it. Hello, lads. Welcome back to the British Open, the Open Championship. We don't call it the British Open here because it's the not. only true Open. Zach Johnson, a wonderful effort today. He is already in the clubhouse at six under par for wow. the championship, a 67 carded in round number two, Kevin Kisner also at six under par. I'm kind of sounding Australian here. I got to get rid of this. There is a little, there is a little Danish thing in there too. Yeah. I feel like like little, an actual Danish, which is weird. Right, the yes. pastry. Yeah, I got a little. That's what it sounds like. A little something caught in my throat. Uh, Kevin Kisner's through six. He's six under for the tournament. Tommy Fleetwood five under. And you find a group of four at four. Rory McIlroy, our guy, the former golfer Eric Von Ruyen. Uh, he's four under along with Tony Finau. And I'm rooting for him. Xander Lombard. But yeah, uh, Tiger, what's uh, what's go- what's going on there? You guys can... have been watching it closer than all of us, even now in the uh, on the 17th hole. Uh, I just I just saw a note from the Golf Channel PR department here on Twitter. This is like Golf Channel has never had more people streaming, has never had more people watching. British Open records are through the roof. Because people, damn it, still want to watch Tiger Woods hack around and try and break par, shoot a 70. Um, But again, he's not hacking. He just cannot putt. Well, he can... 
No, he's missing he's everything. Him close. <laughs> he's missing everything. Max already told me he's missed like two or three. Well, how three putts now under six feet? He has. Oh, the, yeah. for, for the tournament so far. For the tournament. Come yeah. on, knock yeah. down a putt, yeah. Tiger. Let's I go admit, here. I have. Uh, I've. Uh, this morning, I woke up three different times throughout the night. I woke up once. <laughs> Tiger sweats. So I legit woke up once <laughs> at two thirty and yeah. was so excited. I went like, I'm, I got to grab my phone, and see how Tiger's doing. Wait, he doesn't tee off until like four o'clock. Okay, yeah. go back to sleep. Woke up four thirty. Now I got to check my phone, see where Tiger's at. Oh my god, he's plus two through three holes. We go go back to sleep. <laughs> and then and then got up again at like five forty five, and then, then I was up for good, streaming from from bed, streaming the golf channel on my phone, praying that previous wake up was a nightmare. <laughs> he wasn't actually too over. I had a bad dream. I did the same thing. I I, I set an alarm for four twenty because that was his tea time. Woke up, streamed it, streamed his tee shot, went back to bed. <laughs> yes. Woke up at like six thirty. I was gonna go back to. I ended up just. Pulled up the app and uh, watched it in bed. And I was like, "All right, fine, I'll get up now." So yeah, yeah it's it, it's it's a disease. It is really is. It's an addiction yeah, at this point. It's, it's fun. Uh, it's, it's cruel. Fun. Ding ding. All right, Johnny K is going to join us here uh, later this hour. We're gonna we're gonna peel back the curtain of of Timberwolves and strife. But I saw this article. Figure we could start the show off with this. ESPN.com has an article. Uh, you can find it on their NFL page today. And it's NFL writers predicting things that will happen in the NFL by 2021. So things in the next three years that they predict will happen. So, so stuff like Jim Harbaugh will return to the NFL is one of them. Okay. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys will win one of the next three Super Bowls. Uh, they've got Kirk Cousins winning more games than Alex Smith. Marvin Lewis will still be coaching the Bengals, which would be somewhat no. of a miracle, I would no. think, like at this point, for God's sakes. Uh, and that, and they say the Browns will not make the playoffs in the next three years. So those are, they have an article, things that will happen in the NFL by 2021. So I figured, let's put our caps on here. Max, Dave, myself. I have 10 things that I think will happen in the Minnesota sports landscape by 2021. Are you okay. guys ready for this? Yes. All right. I'm yes, going to go. Let's come up with some ourselves. I'm going to give you, I tried to hit on as many teams as possible here. But I'm going to give you 10 things, and then you guys can follow up with things you think will happen in the next three years in the Minnesota sports landscape. Number one, Mike Zimmer will still be coaching the Vikings, but Paul Molitor, Bruce Boudreau, and Tom Thibodeau will be out. Some of it's age-related, like, yeah. like Bruce Boudreau, and in the NHL, it's pretty rare you go beyond four or five years. Uh, new general manager, Paul Molitor's in his 60s now. Contract runs out in a few years. So I think Mike Zimmer will still be coaching the Vikings, but Molitor, Boudreaux, and Tom Thibodeau will be out. Number two, the Vikings will play in a Super Bowl. In the next three years, the Vikings will play in a Super Bowl. I can't guarantee what happens in the Super Bowl, although history would tell you it's not a good result. Because if you look at the NFC, teams continue to, to take turns going to the Super Bowl. There's, it's not like there's a Patriots team in the NFC that just keeps going year after year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Packers have gone in the last 10 years. Saints have gone. Giants have gone. Seahawks have gone. Falcons. Panthers. Uh, it's just it's like a revolving door of NFC teams. I think the Vikings will get their turn to, uh, to go to a Super Bowl. Number three on my list of things that will happen in the Minnesota sports landscape in the next three years. Royce Lewis will hit 300 in a major league season. Mm, a full season. Yes. Or at least like maybe he gets called up in June or something and then but okay. in in a season of at least a couple hundred plate appearances if it's if it's like part of a rookie year, he will hit 300. 
Doesn't strike out. He's already hitting like 320 in, in the low levels of the minor leagues. Uh, number one overall pick. And he'll only be, what's he now, 19, 18? So he'll only be like 21 or 22. I'm saying he'll hit 300 in a major league season before he's 21, basically. And we just bumped him up to high A a week or so ago, yes. right? And he's hitting like 400 to start his, his first five or six games there. Which is okay. Yes. Number four, things that will happen, Minnesota sports landscape next three years. The Twins will trade Miguel Sano. Number five, the Wild will draft in the top five at some point, which I don't know. When's the last time? You might have to go back to the beginning of their franchise history to to find the last time they drafted in the top five. Yeah, they're never rotten. They're just the Wild. Correct. Aging roster, no top stars that that are coming to save the day, and it's a loaded Western Conference. Number six, you might laugh at this, but this is this is this is 18 19 20 this would be like four college football seasons to work with here PJ Flex Gophers will beat Wisconsin at some point in those four years <laughs> and this is the big one they will play in the Big 10 championship game and probably get trounced by Ohio State but they will they will be the sacrificial lambs coming out of their division sometime in the next four college football seasons only to be laid to rest by Ohio State. Okay. Well, if you beat Wisconsin, that uh, certainly sets you up for that. So. Yes, yes. Uh, number seven, I think, well, this is this is probably more of a no-brainer, but I'll put it on the record. The Lynx will miss the playoffs at some point before 2021. Okay. Mostly because Waylon, Brunson, Augustus, all getting close to retirement. Brunson's like 36 now, uh, and this season's already been a grind, so that's probably more of a Captain Obvious prediction. Number eight, the Gopher men's basketball team will continue its streak of no first-round draft picks. They will have NBA players. I think Coffey might play in the NBA. Jordan Murphy might be like a second-round draft pick. Mm -hmm. But they will continue their streak of zero first-round draft picks since 2004. Chris Humphreys was the last first-round draft pick they had. And my last two are Minnesota United FC will play in a postseason game. And number 10, and John Krasinski's in here too, and he'll appreciate this one. Johnny K from The Athletic. Welcome to the show, by the way. Thanks for having me. U.S. Bank Stadium will be awarded WrestleMania. <laughs> it's finally going to happen? I don't know if it'll actually happen by 2021, but it'll be awarded to the Twin Cities by 2021. Are we doing, is this write that down or is this? No, that, this is a warm up for yeah, write that okay. down. All right. This is just, this is off this ESPN.com article, uh, that things that will happen in the NFL by 2021. And, and and some of the predictions were like Jim Harbaugh will return. Dallas Cowboys mm-hmm. will win a Super Bowl. And so these are my 10 things that'll happen in the Minnesota sports landscape by 2021. US Bank Stadium, WrestleMania, Minnesota United FC postseason game. Go for men's basketball team will continue its streak of no first round draft picks in like a decade and a half. Lynx missed the playoffs. Flex Gophers beat Wisconsin and play in a Big Ten championship game where they probably get trounced. Uh, Wild drafts in the top five. Twins will trade Miguel Sano. Royce Lewis hits 300 in a major league season. Vikings will play in a Super Bowl. Will play in a Super Bowl. Play in a Super Bowl. Okay. No guarantees as to what happens if they win. If they get there. Uh, and then Mike Zimmer will still be coaching the Vikings, but Molitor, Boudreaux, and Tom Thibodeau will no longer be coaching their teams. That's wow. That's aggressive. Well, coming out hot. You know, it is coming out hot, but I don't know. I, I, I most of those predictions seem within the realm of possibility. I mean, I knew you were going to go with your guy PJ and 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 kind of I actually have an or play the rouser. I've been, I've been rowing in my seat all morning and do that. But but I mean, hey, in college football, that that could happen. So yeah, I I, I can't argue with 
much of those things. Uh, yeah, I think the Lynx are starting to take their step back maybe yeah. a little bit. They and, might they might be able to sneak in and do, maybe it's like the Michael Jordan uh, last year of the second three-peat where they grind, 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 and then mm-hmm. find a way. So we're talking, yeah, these are the, this is, in the next four years all this is going to happen. I'm guaranteeing it. George Foreman guaranteed. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I mean, really, like you're thinking the Vikings realistically in the next two years, probably then. Most likely, right? Because yeah. defense mm-hmm. is, when you have that number one defense, right. it's not like, oh, for five years we have the number one defense. The Bears in 1985, people think, oh, the Bears 80s defenses. Well, they had the number one defense in 85, 86, and then by like 1988, it was the 20th ranked defense yeah. because that's what it happens. falls off quickly. Yeah. All right, yep. Dave has a list as well. Okay. I do. Some of mine are a little bit uh, similar, at least, to yours. In fact, your PJ one, I went with Patrick Royce will be forced to either write or broadcast positively about the Gopher football team because PJ <laughs> will have turned the program around. He might retire intentionally before that happens. You, he and will we'll never call him, write I, that. We'll call. We'll cold call him or something. It's <laughs> it's going to happen. He'll have switched to to strictly a town ball columnist role with some publication. <laughs> town ball emeritus Patrick <laughs> Royce. Uh, Miguel Sano and Byron Buxton each will not be a member of the Minnesota Twins Baseball Club LLC Ooh. by 2021. Wait, oh, wow, okay. They will both not be here in three years. Andrew Wiggins will still be a Timberwolf, and Phil Mackey will still be complaining on a nightly basis. <laughs> every every night, 82 games every year. Correct. Yes. Jose Barrios will be introduced as Cy Young Award-winning pitcher. Jose Barrios. I like that one. By the uh, 2021. Mm. Yeah. The difference in Lombardi trophy count between the Packers and Vikings will no longer be four. Okay. I'm not going to say which way it's going, but one of them's going to win one in the next three years. Okay. I guess if they each win one, it would still be four. So hopefully that doesn't happen. That would be an amazing way for that prediction to be wrong. If (laughs) they both won one in the next three to four seasons. And finally, Allianz Field will draw more fans per game than the XL Energy Center does for the Wild, and it may not be close. Well, I think think TCF Bank Stadium might, because they had 27,000 the other night. I want to say they're averaging like 20,000 fans a game right now. Allianz will hold about 19.4. I looked it up. So they'll jam it every night. Which is just about the capacity for the X for a wild game. I think the, I I looked up the, uh, the record for a wild game is right around 19.4 as well. Okay. So I think it may not be all that close. The the sellout streak may finally have to come to an end and they may actually have to admit it this time. Okay. Uh, And Intermax, do you have your predictions? Yes. Uh, Are these all just going to be just straight fire gopher positive predictions? Uh, I got a few. I, I got a few gopher. So <laughs> no, start off with that. It's going to be Tiger Woods wins the 3M <laughs> Open in 2019 and 2020 and 2021. And then when the senior tour comes back. <laughs> so you, guys, you guys talked about PJ Fleck. I got a hot one. PJ Fleck, after a nine win season with the Gophers, will accept a job at Notre Dame. Wow! Yes, but this is. But I thought this was the dream job. What are you talking about? No, 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 no. This is this is the long term dream job. Yeah, and they're going to get a Uh, new Cadillac. Richard Petito, he gets that program turned around. The Gophers get to an elite eight, and then he bolts for Notre Dame too, or what? (laughs) Well, he 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 could go for greener pastures as well. We'll see on that. Uh, The Minnesota Vikings will win a Super Bowl. I like the the positivity here. Is great. (laughs) Harrison Smith, Uh, uh, MVP with the pick six in the game. Uh, wait, like a wait, a walk off pick six? No, 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 no. He just gets MVP because he had a pick six in the game. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Why not go walk off? What the heck? What's no, stopping? No, no, no. Uh, Timber- it is, but this is exactly how 
I, and some would say that I'm the homer of the station, and even I'm like much more crusty than Max is. But when you're 21 years old and you've only experienced so the much of Minnesota in front sport, of you, yeah. yeah, you got everything right in your palm of your hand. I feel like go if, you, for it, Max. if you were too young to remember 1998, you're still able to like you. Oh, absolutely. You got 2009 a little bit in your head, yeah. but you haven't you haven't gone yeah. through the ringer. No, yeah. no question. Uh, the Timberwolves' free fall returned to the bottom of the NBA after losing Jimmy Butler, Cat. And wow. Wiggins. Oh, wow. Yes. How would they lose Cat? Is uh, he, he going to not sign the five yeah. year? Wow. Absolute dysfunction. He goes to the Suns, hangs out with his buddy Booker. So his meeting with Tom Thibodeau in the next couple weeks goes goes awry. Yeah, it's not He doesn't go. sign the contract. Yeah. And then he and then he goes to the Suns, you said? Yeah. Yeah, with Devin Booker. The, I think the, I think Johnny Crow reported that exact scenario yeah, earlier this morning right. on the Athletic. Yeah, actually. well, and that, now you can say that the, my, the the need for me at the Athletic would probably go away too. So uh, <laughs> I'll be I'll be in your chair, Max, when yeah, that happens. Maybe you can move to Philadelphia or something. <laughs> talk to the wife. I think I know how that meeting with Tom uh, Towns and Tibbs ends. Mm. You know, they have a nice discussion, and Carl says, "You know, Tom, I've been thinking a long time about this, and I finally get to say it to you. You know what I'm going to do with my career?" Switch! Oh, wow. Switch! Oh, Switch! Dang. Right there. Dang. Just piping hot. My final one is uh, Royce Lewis and Nick Gordon, both all-stars, and Royce Lewis <laughs> is one of the game's best players. In the Max, next three years? Coming yep. in hot. Yep. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yep. Wow. Max, we're pulling Optimism, you over, buddy. Boys. <laughs> First intern ever to be pulled over. It's a new era. Oh my goodness. Hot Take Cops is recorded on location with the men and women of Sports Talk. All suspects are innocent until proven guilty in Hot Take Court. Yeah, Max, there's uh you, you can get an attorney if you need to, but I think this is pretty, this <laughs> one, is pretty one will be pointed for you, I yeah. think, in this case. <laughs> uh, John Krasinski's hanging out with us. We've got write that down predictions later on. Chris Singleton on twins in major league baseball at ten o'clock. And it's game show Friday as well. Uh, so when you hear game show music at some point, just have the number nearby, 651-646-8255. You think you like appetizers? Tom Thibodeau doesn't just like appetizers. He f***ing loves them. We're looking to add wings. Wings! Yeah! yeah. yeah. Small plates. Calamari. Mozzarella sticks. Yeah, spinach and artichoke dip. Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. That's just about the most fantastic scheme I've had to date. On 1500 ESPN. Now, back to Mackie and Judd. Hello, boys. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. So what do you think? It's <laughs> pretty cool, I guess. On 1500 ESPN. Backing up his place, and then he'll be back right before the holidays for Christmas. What a move there by Tim. Dropping the hammer right over Embiid. What a play, Carl Anthony Town. All right, I have uh, from ActionNetwork.com, Johnny Krasinski. And you can find all of his awesome Wolves coverage on The Athletic. You can subscribe. He uh, he does incredible work. He's very humble, so I'm going to break for him. <laughs> but I, there are over-under win totals here from the Action Network. Mm-hmm. It's very top-heavy. There are... Well, I'll let you guess. I mean, I don't know. You, maybe you saw these already. I have not came seen out them, yesterday. No. So can you guess the, the five winningest teams according to these over-under totals? In the West? NBA. NBA. Yeah. Okay, so Golden State. 68 and a half. Uh, That's 68 and a half isn't a... Because they weren't, they were what, six, did they win 60 last? 62 or something? Something like that. But yeah, that's a lot of wins. Um, 
that is a lot of wins, especially for a team that's already said that they're going to take it easy in the in the regular season. I mean, um, so I would I would probably take the under there. And um, Boogie Cousins, if he, be, if he won't be ready January, for, yeah. February, and then who knows what he looks like? It's exactly. an Achilles. Yep, exactly. So and and Steve Kerr has already said that they're going to play their 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 uh, second unit a lot more during the regular season just to reduce wear and tear and and all those things and just get ready for the playoffs. So I wouldn't even be surprised if they do like what the Spurs used to do and just wait. You know, if they're the two seed, they're the two seed. It doesn't matter once mm-hmm. the playoffs start. It's a whole nother ball game. So yeah, they're not entirely worried about well, game seven home court. I think yeah, like, exactly. We'll just dispose in five or six games. Yeah, it they'll be matter. fine. Yep. Yeah. So okay. So Golden State. So Golden um, State's the only team above sixty. There's four other teams in from from fifty two and a half to fifty seven and a half. So Boston. Yes. Toronto. They've got the Raptors sixth at forty, and, and it's kind of low. It's forty seven and a half. Okay. That was a okay. fifty eight, fifty nine one team. All right. Last well, so Houston. Houston's in there. 56 and a half. They lost a couple very interesting key rotation pieces too. Mm-hmm. And they might ro- they might replace role players with Carmelo Anthony right. and that might not go well. Right. Yep, Philly, Philly 56 and a half. And then is it Utah? Lakers 52 and a half. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. I suppose I'm still not exactly sold on that unit on that team as is, but I I, I guess I could see that. So, so they've got Cleveland, and this is the LeBron effect. Yeah. I mean, Cleveland drops to thirty-five and a half mm-hmm. over under. They're kind of so. There's a bunch of teams jumbled, and my question is on the Timberwolves with a stacked Western Conference. They've got a handful of teams at forty-five and a half. Spurs, Thunder, forty-four and a half. Wolves, forty-four and a half. Jazz, forty-four and a half. Blazers and Nuggets, forty-three and a half. With Pelicans, forty-three and a half. I honestly wouldn't be there's there's one team I would guarantee has more wins than the Wolves in the regular season in the West and it's Golden State. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't guarantee the Wolves a playoff spot. Like I could see the right. Wolves anywhere from from 2 to 10 in the Western Conference. Is that fair? No, I think that's that's totally fair. I and maybe maybe for me 2 might be just a little bit high, but um I would say for sure 3 to 10, 3 to 11. Um, because I mean, you look at last year and even though they dropped to eighth, they were like three wins from four. And, and so I think there's going to be a lot of that, you know, jumbled kind of grouping because, and I still think, yeah, I still think 68 is high for, for Golden State. So I don't think they're going to kind of soak up as many wins as maybe people are, are expecting and take a few others away from the West. But I, I, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a bloodbath. And so if Jimmy Butler stays healthy, if they get even, let's say, 65 games from Rose, you know, and they get um, and, and they get kind of all of this chemistry slash angst taken care of. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I absolutely think they have the talent to be a top three seed in in the West, for sure. Are they done building their roster? I mean, they, can, there's, a, they can there's like two or three spots they two, open. They have, they have three spots open. They'll probably they'll probably fill two of them, but they're they're going to be vet minimum guys. Um, you know, either young guys like a Marcus Georges Hunt was last year, who didn't really play a lot, or if a guy like Luol Deng gets bought out from the Lakers, <laughs> you know, keep the party going, That's and get the band to happen back at together. Some point, right? Yeah, right, you'd think so. So, um. So yeah, I, but they're they're essentially done. Like there's not going to be a major move that says, okay, this really changes the trajectory of where they're going. Yeah. Um, the okay, the 
we're going to get to Butler and and Carl Anthony Towns in, in a little bit here, but just in terms of like roster and and on the court, I think people rolled their eyes a little bit at the Anthony Tolliver. Oh, the Wolves making their big move, Anthony Tolliver. Well, number one, they made their big moves last offseason. Right. Jimmy Butler, they signed Jeff Teague for $20 million a year. They brought, I mean, last year was their big summer and they were, they were cap strapped. I like the move. If, if we all went into the offseason saying, okay, three point shooting is a huge deficiency and they were one of the five or six worst defensive teams just net rating for the majority of the year last year. So add defense, add add wing defense and three point shooting and Anthony and let's say leadership in the in the locker room if you think there are strifes and things that need to be brought together chemistry wise doesn't he check all those boxes? He absolutely does. He, uh, provide you know he's thirty three, so provided that he doesn't hit the wall um, from a physical standpoint. But when you're talking about a guy playing 20 to 25 minutes, you can probably stretch his career out a little bit longer. Um, and, you know, the other thing is, is you lose Bielitsa, who I think is actually a more talented overall player, better ball handler, better rebounder, all of those things. But it's always been kind of, and I, I love Belly, but it's it's always been, sort of the idea of Bielitsa has been better than the actual reality of Bielitsa, mm-hmm. whether he's been injured or whether, you know, he has not taken really well to the second unit role and played tentatively as at times offensively. There'd be times where like, come on, Belly, just shoot the ball. Like you're, you're 41% three point shooter. Yeah. Just shoot it. Like it was almost Mike Miller syndrome it, from 10 years ago where, okay, you're one of the best three-point shooters mm-hmm. on the team, and there's and you're literally wide open for two seconds. Yep. And why, like, why are you hesitating? Yeah, let it fly. What's preventing you from hesitating? So yeah, it, it was it was it was a confidence issue, I think, for him, and and he was a little frustrated at what he felt was sporadic playing time and things like that. But he's he had to play better too to earn some of those minutes. And so, um, so any that's a long way uh, to get to the point of Anthony Tolliver knows what he has to do. You know, he's there to chew gum and shoot threes, you know, and that's and he's all out of gum. And he's all out of gum. So he, he's gonna get out there and when when the ball swings to him in the corner, he's pulling the trigger. Um and you look at his attempts last year, per thirty six, he was first on the he would have been first on the Timberwolves, I believe, if I if I remember that right, but either first or second in just per in attempts per thirty six minutes, because he just lets it fly. And he understands what his role is going to be as a three-point shooter, as a versatile defender, a guy who takes a bunch of charges, um, also a guy who has a little more outgoing personality, which to what you alluded to I think is going to be important. I mean, they lost Jamal Crawford, Cole Aldrich, two kind of glue guys in the locker room that held things together, and I think Tolliver will be one of those guys. Belly's a real quiet guy. So, um, so just personality-wise... And and approach wise, I think that Tolliver is a slight upgrade yeah. over Nemanja Bielitsa. Jamal hasn't signed somewhere yet. Has he, he has not. He's still yeah, out he'd there. He'd be fun off the Warriors bench, wouldn't he? He would be, and or or the Lakers too. I mean, you know, either one would would work out well. I mean, LeBron tried to get him to Cleveland last year, and he chose the Wolves. And um, and yeah, I think you know, I I don't know after after getting Cousins if that changes. What the Warriors are looking for, or what kind of money they're going to spend um, going forward, but you know he's a guy that you could plug in and and play a few minutes a night. You're never going to cause problems. Can get hot and, and win a couple of games mm-hmm. for you. Is never going to defend very well. Is never going to carry your team. But they don't need that. They just need a guy to come in and hit shots every once. I in feel there. like, and this is this is my my beef with 
it's for Derrick Rose. It's not as much about like I, I see. I see what Tom Thibodeau sees in Derrick Rose. I mean, I I get it, and you saw some of it in the postseason against the Rockets. I think my biggest beef with this team, just systematically last year, was they have so many. Instead of playing as a collective, looking to make each other better in spots, it almost felt like my turn basketball. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jamal Crawford's on the court. It's now it's my turn to get my ten shots. Uh, Andrew Wiggins. Well, I haven't I haven't shot in like five minutes, so now it's my turn to get a shot up rather than feeling the flow of a game. So replacing guys like Bielitsa, who oftentimes would get a little bit you know, kind of whiny, and I need the ball, and I need circumstances to be perfect, and Jamal Crawford, who when he was in, he was going to shoot 12 or 15 times, replacing them with guys like Tolliver or maybe give more minutes to a Tyus Jones, you need guys who are comfortable not shooting mm-hmm. or comfortable standing in a corner and um, and they just had, like, Jeff Teague needs the ball, and Carl Anthony Towns needs touches and should be shooting 20 times a game, and Butler is ball-centric, and Derrick Rose is ball-centric, and it just felt clunky to me. Yeah, I think that there was a lot of... Um the guys didn't complement each other as much as they mirrored each other, especially like Butler and Wiggins. Uh, you know, yeah. they're both kind of excel in the mid range. They don't shoot a ton of threes or shoot them very well. They like to get to the rim. They like the ball in their hands. They like to post. Um, they like to get to the free throw line. And so the, the challenge for them is to figure out how to work together instead of taking turns. Uh, I, I do think that. You know, you saw that with the Heat early on when when LeBron and Wade were together. Is you know, the, neither one of them were JJ Redick. They were they were kind of dynamic, explosive, get to the rim and create type of a players. And and they figured it out a lot, a lot quicker. They're also a lot better than 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 Butler and Wiggins collectively are. But um, th- that's kind of what needs to happen here going into year two of this new look core is there has to be a little bit more of a comfort level and familiarity with each other's strengths and weaknesses and how you play off of them rather than how, you know, stepping on each other's toes a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things we saw with Wiggins. I think he had a hard time adjusting to that and to being a guy who kind of stands on the, on the wing at times and watches Jimmy go to work. And, and so they can figure this out, but it's, they haven't gotten there yet, and that's going to be a big part of the next step of where they're going to go. All right, let's come back and talk more about the, these sort of vague chemistry problems and cloaked Carl Anthony Towns, and let's let's get to some of this stuff and, and pull back the curtain a little bit. John Krasinski, The Athletic, hanging out in for Judd. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh, that's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Guys that can make a difference. Guys that can give you that spark. Guys that give you something just a little bit different. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Listen, these, someone needs to, the, the stint meter on these greens, this is not fair. This is not fair. Your guy. Okay, I that ball hit a pebble. Your guy. How many more holes can he miss? It was a double breaker, Dave. Okay? How many? Can, it was a double breaker. You don't get many double breakers from five feet. Phil. It was it was seven, and there was at least two breaks. I saw a third there too. <laughs> you think so? And it's windy. Have you ever tried to putt in Scotland when it's windy? Yeah, that third break was okay. the bad break he had when he couldn't make a putt again. <laughs> but he finished even par. Not a total disaster. He's only six off the lead. Get three back tomorrow. Three back the next day. By the <laughs> yeah, way, this no is problem. our guy here. This is a U of M. Uh, this Van Ruyen. 
And he's, hey, that's a tiger-like mess right there. Right there. Uh, Van Rien, he's South African, but he played golf at the University of Minnesota. He's only like two shots off the lead. Are the snapbacks back, like, officially? I think they're... I almost feel like snapbacks are not just back, but like, like the most popular over again, style right? of hat. Man. You're not a snapback guy? No, I'm not a, I'm not a snapback guy. With that head of hair, I feel like you don't want to you don't want to mat that thing down with hats. <laughs> no, I don't I don't wear them too often, but it's all, I go flex fit now. Like okay. that's that's the most comfortable. But when I was growing up, you know, when we were growing up, it was like if you got a fitted hat, like that was It was huge. That was huge. But then there was that era where and they and they still do the the traditional fitted hats where mm-hmm. you have to know your head size. Yeah. But then the problem is if you sweat in it, it shrinks and FlexFit was was clutch. Yeah, yep. It's a big it's a big development, and that's that's the way that I go. I just I can't do the snapbacks. Yeah, yeah. I'm rooting for Tommy Fleetwood now. Tommy Fleetwood's my new guy. Sorry, Tiger. It's over. It was a good run. It was a good run. He was really good like 15 years ago. <laughs> um, okay, we're we're talking Timberwolves here, and if people have questions, we can uh, we we have a guest in Chris Singleton at 10 o'clock, and then we have write that down 11 o'clock. Uh, we have a lot of open segments where we're just going to be kicking some stuff around. So if you guys have basketball or Wolves questions for John Krasinski, 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. It's also a game show Friday. So from what you can tell and from what you're able to, to glean as a, as a Wolves insider, what would you say the main sources of strife are between Towns, Butler and or Tom Thibodeau and and let's throw Andrew Wiggins in that mix too. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it comes down to personalities. You know, you have, I mean, Jimmy is a really strong personality and um, makes his presence felt. Doesn't beat around the bush. Uh, never, you know, kind of uh, hides his feelings or is very diplomatic. He's just straightforward. If he likes something, he'll let you know. If he doesn't like it, he'll let you know. Um, and you have. You know, Carl and Andrew, who are the younger guys, who are still figuring this thing out. They're still, I mean, yeah, as as much as we kind of want, especially I think in the NBA, you want twenty two year olds to be mature adults and 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 to have this whole thing figured out from from the time they enter the league. I mean, that just doesn't happen. I mean, you even you know LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, all of all of these guys who came in young go through their their struggles of trying to figure out not necessarily I mean p- partly on the court but also in the locker room and how to kind of relate to teammates and how to assert yourself and how to how to kind of get through everything that is expected of you and and so um Towns and Wiggins clearly have their other interests outside of basketball and 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 they're still kind of I think figuring out how important this game is and and what you need to do to be completely elite at it and and so there's there's a disconnect i mean you look also at the way that you know jimmy and and tibbs came up through the nba like jimmy uh was essentially homeless in tomball texas uh was not recruited out of high school had to go junior college then marquette then he's a like 30th pick in the draft and didn't play early on in his career and really is this kind of self-made player uh, that grinded and grinded and grinded. Now he's one of the best in the league. Tom Thibodeau was not a you know high-profile player, was not a college coach, uh, was an assistant for years and years and years, came in through the video department and just obsessively 
did everything he could. Now he's one of the most powerful figures within a franchise in the entire NBA. Him and I mean, him and Greg Popovich are just in terms of sheer power yeah. with your organization, right? Yep, absolutely. And so these guys kind of came up through the back alleys and fought and scratched and clawed. And then you look at Wiggins and Towns, and not to say they didn't work because they've done, put a ton of work in on their craft, but both came from very stable homes. Um, both, both came from one overall picks, two right. parent families, um, Kansas and Kentucky, you know, hugely uh, high profile recruits coming out of high school, mm-hmm. um, number one overall picks. Uh, Andrew Wiggins has had a lot of success uh, as as a rookie, even got the ball in his hands a lot, played has played a ton of minutes early in his career. And and same with Carl Towns, rookie of the year. Now he's an all star. Now he's an all NBA player. Uh, I'm not discounting the work that they have had to put in on their craft, but the the kind of the upbringing that it's taken to get them here entirely different. And so I just think that when you look at the 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 grinders on one side and sort of the prodigies on the other, it's there's that huge gap in the middle, and they have a hard time relating to each other. That's interesting, and I this is where. You need a figurehead, and this is where I put a little bit more on Tom Thibodeau. Okay, the situation is what it is, and this is your roster, and these are your pieces for at least this upcoming season. And it's and it's going to be on you as a as a leader of personalities and a leader of egos to find a way to get guys to work together. Uh, one of my favorite books is Phil Jackson's Eleven Rings. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you've had a chance to thumb I'm, through that. No, it's a, and you're a basketball guy. It's incredible. It's him essentially chronicling all of his championship seasons going back to his Knicks days in the 70s and then his time as a coach. And and it's a lot of his coaching philosophies. And he laid out before the 1995-96 season and that Bulls team with Michael Jordan coming back, it was ready to roll. They, mm-hmm. I mean, it's I get it. It's a lot easier to win a championship when you have Kobe and Shaq and Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. But he went in to ego management and and explained the day that they acquired Dennis Rodman. And he went to the rest of the team and he said, listen, I have to sort of, I have to lead all of you differently. I have to be a little bit more extreme in the way that I lead Dennis Rodman. There's going to be times where Dennis, like he sat the whole team down with Dennis not there and said, there's going to be times where Dennis is going to do this and we have to let him storm off from practice and go home. And we have to be fine with that. He's gonna, he's just going to have different, a different style of leadership and different expectations. But as long as everyone understands the ground rules going forward. And so I almost feel like, and this is a bit of an apples to oranges example, a great coach or leader in this spot would say, I've got a Jimmy Butler right here, and I've got an Andrew Wiggins right here, personality-wise, and a Carl Anthony Towns. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a step back and just think about how to get all of them to mesh together, rather than what it seems like siding with Jimmy Butler, where two guys are looking over at these young, entitled you know, privileged basketball figures and saying, this is why you're not good enough or this is what you need to do better. There's a communication disconnect. And guess who's going to be around for 10 years? Mm -hmm. Carl Anthony Towns. Mm -hmm. I think he's going to sign a contract. And so like you have to, it's not like, well, Carl Anthony Towns, let's just trade him and get him out of here. No, he's going to be here for a long time. Glenn Taylor's never going to approve a Carl Anthony Towns trade. Mm -hmm. So find a way to make it work. Mm -hmm. And it it just feels like they're having a hard time, Jimmy Butler and and Carl Anthony and and Tom Thibodeau relating. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's communication is huge and and kind of to build off of that and really off of the Phil Jackson stuff is uh, Andy Grimsrud at Wolf Among Wolves wrote about this today and I've been working on something similar that will be coming out eventually, but um, there, 
there is always going to be conflict in an NBA locker room just with the way that these guys are the kind of each one is their own personal corporation and they are they have been marketed as individuals mm-hmm. you know all these years and so there's going to be conflict uh there there's no such thing as a as kind of an egoless superstar i mean when you have players like Towns and and Butler and even Wiggins to an extent, you know, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Draymond Green, uh, Michael Jordan, you know, all, Shaquille O'Neal, you know, all of these guys, like it's very rare where you find a case where everyone is happy and friendly and everyone gets along and and it, everything is perfect. That just doesn't happen because these guys are so hyper wired as competitors, as kind of being confident in themselves and what they think they can do to change the outcomes of games. And and so it it breeds that kind of internal conflict. Now, what you have to do in those situations to manage it and keep it from spinning out of control is is to always be communicative and to engage, especially the younger players need to be engaged on a different level. I mean, Jimmy loves to be yelled at and challenged and pushed and prodded. <laughs> you do and, at home too. Right? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, but that, I'm 39, so that's, that's what it is. Um, but I, you know, Towns and Wiggins are, you get communicated to differently and had been communicated to differently coming up. And so it, it, it's about tailoring to different personalities. And does Tibbs tailor? I don't know. Well, I, I the perception really think, is he doesn't. But I, I think that he's not as like you. You see him on the sideline, and he's this ranting, raving guy. I, I from what I'm told, it, in behind the scenes and practices and in film sessions and things, he's not Mister Yeller and Screamer a lot. But he is very just obsessed with the details and and kind of tunnel vision on X's and O's and responsibilities and scouting and doing those things. And I, I do think that sort of the personality end of things sometimes gets pushed to the back. What, what Tibbs wants is an old guy. Hey, you're a professional show up to work, clock in, do your job. And I'm not going to be the, the, the armchair psychologist that, that a lot of these new age, coaches are but and sometimes you sometimes that's the most important in 2018 you, this is the world that you live in and so that is part of it and and so that's i think right now one of the sort of issues with the way that the front office is structured is if you're going to have tibs at the top that's okay but then you need a scott Layden to be the politician behind the scenes to kind of be the guy that engages to bring people together to you know let people air grievances and and get things off their chest and feel like like they are acknowledged. And I'm not sure that that's the case. I think these are two really just basketball centric guys mm-hmm. that just are focused solely on what is it going to take to win on the court. And I think they're finding out that. Um, you know, s- s- some of these some of these younger guys need something a little different and. I think they they can do it. They're capable of 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 addressing those things, but I don't know that it's been addressed in that manner yet. Johnny K hanging out. I've got I've got a bunch of questions off what you just said, and I I have questions too. I want to throw at you about Glenn Taylor and how he 
fits in as the as the owner of, of this franchise. Mackie and Judd, John Krasinski from the Athletic is in for Judd today. Chris Singleton on Twins and Major League Baseball in about fifteen minutes. TCL broadcast studio. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oakley Dokley on fifteen hundred ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. On 1500 ESPN. You have your very own hot sports takes. Not afraid to share those hot opinions on the local sports teams. Do you want your own show right here on 1500 ESPN? If you answered yes, then 1500 ESPN's Sportscaster Idol is for you. We are holding a competition to find our next host. With the winner receiving their very own show for a year. Entries now being accepted right now. They are being accepted on the website, and it's through the 29th, through next Sunday. So about nine more days to go. More details on 1500ESPN.com. Thank you, Dave Harrigan. Chris Singleton on Twins. We can talk trade speculation and Manny Machado and what that does for the Twins infielders. In about 12 minutes or so. Plus, write that down usually at 10 o'clock on Fridays. We'll do that at 11 o'clock with Johnny Krasinski. Uh, game show Friday sometime between now and 1 o'clock. And the Crafty Rogues are going to come hang out in studio, too. They have their big 100th show tonight at Brits with Adrian Heath. So, all right, back to the to the Wolves stuff here. And, and, we, and, and you were just explaining sort of the dynamic between... Tom Thibodeau, Jimmy Butler, and Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns. What do you know about... So, two-part question. How well did Glenn Taylor know Tom Thibodeau before he hired him and gave him the keys to the entire building? And a couple of years later now, what would you say their relationship is like? How would you characterize it? Uh, well, he didn't know Tom very well at all before he hired him. And, and kind of, I think, part of the thinking of of doing that was Glenn has always faced a lot of criticism for the the good old boy network, right? His buddies that he hires and empowers, whether it's Flip or McHale or um, you know the people on the executive side, Rob Moore and and those and those folks. I mean, uh, he's 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 kind of had a an inclination to hire people that he is very familiar with and and give them very important jobs. And sometimes it's worked, and sometimes it hasn't. But there's always been kind of this this depiction of the wolves as a country club. Yeah. And and so I think in going outside of that to get Tom Thibodeau, you know, in addition to his uh accolades as a as a as a tactician, as a coach who has accomplished a lot in this league, one of the attractive qualities was look, I'm going to get outside the box. Like I'm going away from the people that I know and trying to bring in someone with a new perspective that sees things differently and maybe can can bring something new to the table. Um, and so in the two years that they've worked together, I mean, the one thing that has become apparent is that Tibbs is all business. Like he he just wants to get to plow into the work, to do the work, and, and that's it. Um, and Glenn has always, for better and for worse, wanted a more personal relationship with the people that work for him with the Timberwolves, whether it's, you know, he and Flip were very, very close. He and McHale were, were very close. Yeah, he's close with Cheryl. I mean, Cheryl, Cheryl Reeve, Reeve. they hug before every yeah, game. Absolutely. Right? So it's for him, um, he does look at it as sort of a, an extension of family, I think. And that always, that hasn't always been a great thing for him. Um, I think he's gotten into trouble sometimes with loyalties and things. And, um, but, uh, that that part of the relationship has not manifested, 
And and so it's going to be kind of up to Glenn to, to understand for him as the owner how much he values that. And you know, does he need to have that as part of the the arrangement with his coach and and, and team president? And you know, if he kind of comes to the conclusion that uh, you know what, maybe I've been a little too close to things and yeah. I need to step back. Uh, and then, then everything should keep going. If he says that, you know what, I if the if the trust level or or whatever doesn't doesn't kind of coalesce as much, you know, then that's probably an issue mm-hmm. going forward. I feel like he has he he's a fly by the seat of his pants owner, at least on the Timberwolves side historically. Like he does. If you could pick out different examples of successful organizations, it's very obvious that the Golden State Warriors ownership had a vision. They said, okay, we're gonna be we're gonna be innovative. We're gonna hire innovative. We're going to shoot three pointers. We're going to do this. We're like this is our vision, and we're going to implement our vision. Uh, it, it doesn't matter that Mark Jackson was the head coach of a team that went to the playoffs back to back years. We have a vision for our leadership style and and the communication style. So we're going to make a tough decision and take a guy out who just won fifty whatever games and went to the playoffs and replace him with a Kerr. Uh, the Houston Astros analytics, analytics, analytics. We're going to strip it all down five years ago to an eleven million dollar payroll. And, and we're going to beef up our analytics department more than anyone else has ever done before. We're going to shift more than anybody else has. This is our vision, and we're going to stick to it. And with Glenn, I just feel like every few years, it's uh, I'm going to lick my finger, put it in the air, and just hope that so- I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to maybe hire a search firm, maybe not, and I'm going to hope that I can hire someone to run this way uh, organization the way that it needs to be run. But I don't really personally have a vision. Yeah, I think that you know part of it. I think there have been people internally who have for years tried to. Encourage Glenn to have some sort of a um, an outside advisor, you know, who can at least offer some insight and and things. I do think, you know, as Glenn fancies himself, and and I think it's it's fair to say that he he knows the league, he knows the players, he knows a lot of a lot of the coaches, and I think he has at least a good feel for that end of things mm-hmm. with the guys who he sees in front of him. On a daily, on a nightly basis at Target Center, where he isn't as adept or or isn't as kind of plugged in, is on the executive side, and who are the people behind the scenes that are really making a difference, and yeah. that might be good to hire to empower and, and and kind of launch these visions and 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 build these. Now, the one thing to really point out here as well is. Okay, you're right that that Joe Lacob and Golden State had a vision. They also had Steph Curry. For, oh, uh, for sure. There's you know, definitely Pop, luck. There's luck involved. Pop yeah. had the has it has a great vision, but he had Tim Duncan. Yep. And and so at the heart of it is you need to find the player, the player or players that become the transcendent things to build around. Now they hope they have that with Towns. Yeah. Um, they had it with KG for a while and. And um and that and that ran its course, but but there's been you know. this trend like to that to that point, KG at the end of his career and, and, and then now the alienation. You could argue, it, I think Jimmy Butler is the second best player in franchise history. It's just like sort of like Brett Favre with the Vikings. Mm-hmm. It's a brief flash. Let's take him out of the equation. Kevin Garnett, Kevin Love, and Carl Anthony Towns are the three best players in franchise history for sure. Let's just say in the last 15 years. And all three have either been or felt alienated mm-hmm. by the organization. Mm-hmm. And I get that it's not 100% on Glenn. KG's got to come halfway. And Kevin Love needs to needs to be more open and honest and not break his hand. And, and, and Town needs to mature, and I get that. But this pattern of top figurehead player in the organization feeling or being alienated is really odd. And it needs to stop at some point. And now Town's like... 
Towns has been in the league for three years, and he already feels like he needs to have a come to Jesus conversation before signing a life changing contract, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, that, that that's absolutely one of the one of the keys is making sure that when you have a a transcendent star, that they do buy in, and and some of that is on the organization absolutely to lay everything out and to surround them with the talent and the support staff that they need to feel comfortable and feel like I can win here over the long haul and I can have an effect now also I mean it's the same it, it's also on the players to to at least kind of have some sort of perspective as well on on what their role is and their responsibility is in in doing things the right way I mean look I mean for for as lauded as the Spurs are they just they just got done in by Kawhi Leonard and you so sometimes you can do things absolutely right and and you get these players who get their own visions yeah. or, or have their 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 guys over their shoulder chirping in their ears saying, "Hey, you, you need to get out of here. They're not doing you right." You know that that sort of stuff happens in the NBA probably more than any other league, just with the way players are cultivated. And and and, and so, um, you, I I do agree that I think by and large the Wolves. Need to do a and and should have done a better job over the years of trying to empower their players and give them a sense of this is a place that you can spend a huge chunk of your career and have a lot of success and enjoy. And I don't think they've done a great job with that always. Um, but I also think the players have been difficult in their own right. Well, KG was incredibly difficult behind the scenes. Um, Kevin Love to, in the last couple of years was, you know, he, he was not the same person that mm-hmm. we saw in as early as this open and funny and gregarious rookie and, and who, who would go out on street corners and give away, you know, sweatshirts, right. you know, like show up in uptown yeah. <laughs> and just pop in. And, and so, so things change and it's up to the organization to kind of adapt with them because the way that the NBA is structured, it's a player's league and they have the leverage and they have the power and the impact and they know it. So you got to figure out a way to cater to them without, you know, bending over for them. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's the challenge. It's it's funny too, because I, my belief is as good as Jimmy Butler is, if his goal is to win a championship, he's never going to be the best player on that championship team unless you have some Detroit Pistons like mm-hmm. amazing system or you have the best defense in the league uh and and he's the Chauncey Billups slash Rip Hamilton figure. I think if he's gonna win a title, it's gonna be in, in LA with LeBron or or Kyrie Irving will be uh you know the the lead dog with the Nets or the Knicks or whatever it ha- and so that's why this this strife between him and Carl Anthony Towns, if I'm putting myself in Butler's shoes, I would think this could be my meal ticket for the next. Like he is so good, and if we just make some tweaks and we can, we can mold him in in this way over here and get him to buy in. Man, I could I could ride that for four or five years, and I could stay here with my favorite coach. And it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because that's I suppose that still is a possibility. I mean, we're, yeah, like, we're writing it, it off is. because no. it's Minnesota sports and yeah. whatnot. But yeah, it's entirely possible that they kind of have their communication and then. Towns takes another leap and Wiggins takes another leap and, and Jimmy looks around and says, you know what? This is a crew that I can roll with. I, I, I've said all along, I don't think this is irreparable. I think that it, it just needs to come together more. And, you know, part of that is on Jimmy too, because Jimmy, uh, has, 
he wants to push these guys and he wants to bring the best out of them, mm-hmm. which is understandable because he some of his gripes are legit uh, with whether it's concentration on defense or paying attention to the game plan, things like that. But he also has to understand that if you're going to be the leader, you have to have people want to follow you. And right now with the way that he has kind of operated openly in the public sphere yeah. with some of this stuff. I don't know that they want to follow him. Right. Johnny K from The Athletic. We have a lot more uh, meat on the wolves bone later, too, because I actually have, I, I want to recklessly speculate on next <laughs> summer with you and get you to either Let's agree do or shoot down my theories. Let's come back, talk some twins, talk some Major League Baseball with our friend Chris Singleton from the Sunday Night Baseball ESPN uh, radio broadcast. Mackie and Judd, Judd out, Johnny K in TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Gentlemen, to the medicine cabinet. On 1500 ESPN.